and those investors had put money in based on our promise. And that's a heavy burden to, to carry. You know, it's, it's individuals private after-tax money that you have put into something that you believed would work and now you're sitting two and a half years later and you're not 100% sure. Matt Brown, Matt Brown, Matt Brown. This is the Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt, Matt Brown, Brown Show. Matt Brown, Matt Brown, Matt Brown Show. This episode of the Matt Brown Show is proudly brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine, the only how-to handbook for starting, managing, and growing companies. In this month's issue, you can get the Get Smarter story. That's two brothers, 1.4 billion rand, and nine years, enough said. You can also check out your own mini Shark Tank advice from Manus Brickrake, who has also been on my show, and he discusses how you can start a business from a one-page business plan. And I really love this piece. This is three decisions that will change your financial life forever from the man himself, Tony Robbins. And you can get it now at all leading retailers across the country or check the amazing digital subscription offers available on Entrepreneur Magazine. When Paul Hutton, Joel Stransky, and Bruce Arnold launched Pivotal Group in 2012, they did so with a wealth of experience and business relationships on their side. But it was still a startup. They worked from home and then the slow lounge, and they raised some angel funding, accessed personal capital, significantly reduced monthly income and took out personal loans to make it work. They had a vision and they were determined to be disruptors. In this episode of the Map Round Show, we share the story of how they built what they believe to be the foundations of a successful group of businesses and in only five years. But perhaps most importantly, we unpack the realities of being a team of founders that have to overcome significant challenges, unique to South Africa and what they have learned as a management team and about themselves in the process of building Pivotal Group to where it is today. So without further ado, enter Paul Hutton, Joel Stransky and Bruce Arnold. It's not unusual for new businesses to be born out of old friendships and the start of Pivotal Group was no different. And it all started with a unique challenge that brought the founding team together. You see, Paul describes the team as... Being supreme athletes, we decided we, we would do a triathlon together. Yeah. Uh, a half-iron man. And, uh, and that's eventually when I told Joel, I phoned him to tell him that, that I was going to go for a swimming session. You need to take a picture. <laughs> and... Uh, and um, and I don't know why you find that that funny, Matt. But you just look like a supreme athlete, Thank so you. I'm just jealous. Just, I'm like green. So I said to Joel, I was gonna go, we were going to meet for a swimming session, and then I followed up saying, listen, I've also resigned from my existing job at TransUnion. This is end of 2010. And, uh, and he said, Paulie, let's go out for a cup of coffee. So we went for coffee, and, and I hand over to you. Yeah, so that swimming session was a swimming session for Paul and a drowning session for me. <laughs> but it was, um, you know, the start of a great journey, and uh, we had that cup of coffee, and we said, let's you know, try to do something together. And it just so happened a few months later, we were in London at the same time, and we went and looked at, we met with some guys from a company that did voice biometrics, and Paul had 
been chatting about the voice biometrics and I, I mean I remember that meeting clearly Paul's kids were sitting on the floor yeah, at our exactly. feet playing games and we had a like unofficial meeting with someone who was trying to get us to represent their technology in sub-Saharan Africa so that's where the journey really started and then and then obviously Bruce had worked with Paul at in the TransUnion stable and then we met briefly in the uh, in the Steinhoff stable so so there was like a natural connection between all three of us um and I think probably the the starting point was we were all quite like-minded. We all had certain goals in terms of you know wanting to leave corporate life, wanting to not fill out leave forms, wanting to drink nice coffee and watch our kids play sport in the afternoons. But the strategy for Pivotal Group became clear when Paul was running the TransUnion Credit Bureau and was researching new data and assets and came across something called voice biometrics. And what excited about uh, us about voice biometrics was the fact that uh, this identity fraud was, was a growing concern globally uh, and that voice biometrics was... Uh, uh, a most accurate authentication solution, so it's as accurate as fingerprints and retinal scanning, etc., etc. But uh, in those days, it was the only remote biometric solution you could get hold of. So uh, it was also at a time when um, computing as a service was starting to, to grow, uh, which actually proved to be a problem for us. But the long and the short of it was the fact that we had planned not to uh, sell the software locally, but we'd planned to set up a business, which was really a single vault of everybody's identity information, hence the name One Vault. Um, and, uh, and that was centralizing a database of individuals' voice prints. From the outset, competitive differentiation was a key focus, and voice biometrics enabled Pivotal to significantly differentiate their offering in an already hyper-competitive marketplace. It was a solution for us made in heaven, because its competitor in the marketplace is what we call knowledge-based authentication. So if you were to phone into a contact center, the guys traditionally will ask you a whole lot of frustrating questions, which you'll only get right 65% of the time. So it takes time. Uh, it's still exposed to fraud, uh, and it's not particularly uh, friendly from a customer experience perspective. So what voice biometrics does is it, it makes that experience very customer friendly, so you don't even know you're being authenticated at times. It takes away the, the time in that actual authentication, um, and, uh, and it can detect if a fraudster is, is actually phoning in. So it, it sort of bubbled the ocean, which was great, um, and it became a bit of a no-brainer. And the more we spoke about it in the marketplace, the more clients really, really liked it. However, at the time, they didn't really like cloud computing, the big enterprise businesses. This differentiator would prove to be important for two reasons. First, two and a half years into the business with investors on board and having pumped a significant amount of their own capital into the business, the team hit a major stumbling block. And for a few weeks, they didn't even know if they had a business because as it turns out, South Africa's telephony infrastructure was not compliant with voice biometric standards. I'll never forget having a lunch with my three partners. It was at Bellini's, probably two and a half years into the business, a good few million rand invested in it. And, uh, and we sat and I said, guys, I can't even have a glass of wine. I'm so anxious. Uh, the telephony in environment in South Africa wasn't compliant with what voice biometrics actually needed. So we didn't know if we had a business at all. And we were going through a sort of two-month testing process to see if we could get it to work. Thank God we actually did. 
but uh, it was it, it was a frightening time for us, you know. This put the team in the unenviable position of having to manage their investors' expectations, and it wasn't a challenge that they could easily overcome. And those investors had put money in um, based on what we had, based on our promise, and and that's a heavy burden to to carry. You know, it's it's individuals private after-tax money that you have put into something that you believed would work and now you're sitting two and a half years later and you're not 100% sure. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's a really, really, really scary place to be. Suffice to say that also South Africa is not the most entrepreneurial-friendly environment. You know, so you're shoveling it uphill you know, wherever you go. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's just not complimentary to, to allowing you to deliver disruptive services into the market, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I, I, my personal view is if you can start a business here and build it to something of some value and scale, I think it's probably harder to do it here than arguably many, 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 many other countries yeah, around agree. the world. You've got everything stacked against you. In fact, you shouldn't, you shouldn't make it. I went on to discuss with the guys how they overcome their challenges as a management team. Because as a team, it's important, obviously, to communicate, but also to be able to make decisions effectively that serve the interests of not just the stakeholders in the business, but also the individual businesses themselves. I think first and foremost, we, we, we actually back each other. So um, when we, when we, when we, decide that someone's going to lead a business we we trust that person's ability that person's decision making ability um to 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 move the business forward and move it in the right direction and 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 make and make and make the right calls um but but what we always do do is we is we do have the tough conversations so we're more than happy to have tough conversations we're more than happy to put our hands up and say well we don't think that's working we don't think this is working what about this what about that um and we and we tend to collaborate uh, more than sort of be prescriptive in 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 the way that we in the way that we make decisions so i think i think that that helps us collectively move it forward. Um, so we we always tend to be on the same side, and we've and we've had a whole bunch of issues through many of our businesses where we've where we've had to get over these hurdles that 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 under normal circumstances were 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 tough things to get over. But collectively, um, it's 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 three oaks looking at it from different perspectives, adding different value to 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 the discussion. And we've found ways to actually move it forward and, and successfully so. So it's been positive as a group for sure. So so I think what's interesting is is for me the three of us are still learning about each other and what our various competencies are and how we can add value to to one another. And 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 that doesn't happen from day one. You know, um uh, and uh, and as we grow and as we get more involved in businesses, uh, I think we become less inhibited about where we can add and not add value. And it's more about, well, listen, what can I use that I do well to make your, the business that you're responsible for, whatever, work better? You know, and, and uh, I speak more when, uh, for myself when I say uh, a big thing is actually loving coming to work uh, because I do love these two bad eggs and and uh, yes we do have our very tough discussions but uh, we've done well to see the other side of it and to have you know the, the discussions around so where can we help one another you know and uh, yeah that makes it worth it for me and, and I don't plan to to retire 
I plan to stay in this sort of environment, very definitely less operational, but till the day I, I die, you know. What advice would you have for other management teams, a trifecta, <laughs> <laughs> um, about dealing with uncertain markets or uncertain business environments? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there. I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Jeez, I communicate, eh? I mean, Brice, he doesn't joke when he says I'm anxious. I am anxious. Uh, Possibly people don't see it on the outside, but I very definitely am. But there's no doubt when I'm in a a tough spot or or I need help, I pull the oaks around the table and I say, oaks, so this is what the environment is. Help us to make the right decision. And then, you know, once everybody's got buy-in, you you go, you know. I mean, every single business that we have operated in is 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 tough and has its dramas and uh, and its uh, ebbs and flows, you know. So yeah, so that's it for me. You know. Yeah, I think to add to that, the transparency in the relationships is relevant, important, so that we can have those frank decisions and, and discussions. And uh, probably the other thing that people need to understand is when you have diversity, it's there for a reason. If you all think the same, you wouldn't need each other. The fact that we all think differently means we all have some little bit to add in that conversation and sometimes the conversations have been tough. Sometimes they've, they've been aggressive and, and really tough. But you know, every time we, 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 we leave that in the room when we walk out and we, uh, we make sure that we're still mates and we go forward together as Bruce said. So I'm fascinated because you guys are a group of companies, but you're also a very young group. I mean, 2012, it's five years. And in my experience, most startups, they uh, start from indigestion. In other words, they get pulled in so many different areas. Like you've got the AI recruitment, you've got voice biometrics, you've got data, and, 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 and I'm sure there's other companies in the group. So how have you managed to create sustainable value in all of these different companies without kind of failing i mean it's very easy to so, get distracted right so to paul's point earlier it's, it's been quite easy because we've backed the jockey so in every company or every business we have a share or we own the person who runs it is the boss of that business and we have backed that person before the concept and the business so so where there's a business there's a real champion in our world driving that that entity and we now have a recruitment business we we have a security and cleaning business. We have, you know, an initiative in the healthcare space. Um, but but it, wherever we are, it's the person who, who drives that business that really is the champion. And I think for us, the the simple thing has been about 
we call it backing the jockey, but it is having faith in that person and allowing them to, to drive it forward. Yeah, I, th- I think Matt, Joel says, I mean, he used the word easy, which, which I mean, when, when one fault comes to mind, <laughs> I'm not so sure <laughs> I agree. Like the real thing for me is nothing ever achieves, in my opinion, the success you expected to achieve in the timelines that you initially uh, look at. It always, always takes longer. And, and that's where I think Brucey has been absolutely invaluable to our partnership insofar as, uh, as you said earlier, you know, making the payments. Um, and, and somehow, miraculously, Brucey has come up with plans that allow us to, or yeah, largely have allowed us to, to fund what we've needed to fund. Um, and to keep the good people. But it's not to say we haven't gone through retrenchment cycles and all the necessary stuff, you know, off the back of some nice short-term growth and then something happens, you know, then you've you got to take the tough decisions. So, so, Paulie, I didn't mean it was easy to do. <laughs> I mean, for us, the decision-making process oh, sorry, is sometimes okay. a little <laughs> bit easier because it's about for us backing the jockey. Well, just to pick up on your point, Paul, I mean, it takes 15 years to make a quick buck, here. Yeah. yeah. 15, yeah, 15 so we've years got, to make a quick We're like nearly halfway there because Paul's planning on retiring soon and staying a little bit involved. I'm, I'm not sure how he's going to do that on our salaries and our jobs right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At least the plan's there. Yeah. Coming up, the guys reveal the single biggest challenge they have in the growth of their business. But first, some really big news from Matt Brown Media. Last week, my team and I released the Get Podcasting Academy. You can check it out at getpodcasting.com. So what is the Get Podcasting Academy? Well, it gives you everything that you need to blue ocean your brand and business using new media. So does any of this sound familiar? You're in a competitive marketplace and you want to stand out from the rest of the crowd. You spend countless hours trying to attract key decision makers to your business and you're kind of sick of the frustration of not getting the traction you are after. Or maybe your business is up and running but it's not going as well as you'd like and you're out of ideas about how to attract customers and take your brand and business to the next level. So if it does sound familiar, then don't worry because you are not alone and I've been exactly where you are right now. And that's why I created the Get Podcasting Academy. You see, after building a loyal listenership in over 100 countries around the world without spending a cent on advertising, and also off the back of this, a thriving new media company which is profiting from a lucrative new market, I decided it was time to reveal an entirely new way to put your brand and business in an uncontested market space. And that's what the Get Podcasting Academy will do. It will enable you to unlock this new media space for your brand and your business. So if you want to put your brand and business in a league of its own, profit from lucrative new markets and capture an uncontested market space instead of engaging with traditional competition, and if you want to attract key decision makers in your market at the right time without wasting time and money doing things that are not going to get you the traction you're after, then the Get Podcasting Academy is for you. So check it out now, guys. The Academy is your essential resource for the training, advice, and support you need to Blue Ocean your brand and business using new media, aka podcasts. And I will see you at getpodcasting.com. In just a few short years, and despite overcoming several technology and financial challenges, the guys at Pivotal Group say that they are still learning 
and that being in charge of their own destiny is not comfortable or simple. You see, when you are a disruptive technology play, convincing a market that you have a better solution than the rest of the market is a very difficult thing to pull off successfully and this places a significant emphasis on market education. Joel readily admits that this is a challenge that they have yet to fully overcome. So, so I think if we have one weakness in our stable, it's our ability to sell and, and we'd be the first to admit that and I think it's a, every day we're learning a little bit more about how to educate the, uh, the, the potential market on our solutions. I don't think, I think we've got a long way to go still. We've got a really strong marketing lady who's been with us I don't know how long, about six or eight months now, he's doing a great job, but I think we'd be the first to admit that our, our sales process is our weakness, and, and as a result, we've given a lot of thought and time and attention to to different strategies around that, channel partners, we're now starting to look internally to to be a bit stronger internally, but but it's the one area where we could probably look at ourselves in the mirror and say, right, we've got we've, we've, we've got a long, long learning curve ahead of us still. If I, if I use voice biometrics... Uh, as an example, and then just think how, how it has repeated itself across our investments, is the less change management required to implement a innovative, let me say, solution, the better it's going to perform. So don't go and ask a big corporate to change the whole way they do things, to change their process, to, to try and implement something new, because that's going to take a hell of a long time. If you can implement something that they need where there is very little change management required, much like passive voice biometrics, you've got a winner. So you're not, you're not uh, upsetting people in terms of their, oh, geez, I'm going to have to do something different. How am I going to do it? It creates anxiety on the ground. Similarly, you're not going to implement something that's got immense development or integration requirements because you're going to be number 450 on the dev requirement from a big corporate. It's never actually going to be implemented. Um, if you can do something that doesn't change the existing process but is highly innovative, and can either drive customer experience or, you know, reduce costs or, you know, uh, eradicate fraud, then I think you, you, you're a winner. That's a big, big, big learning for us, I think. Yeah, it's about the positioning of the solution, I think, more so than uh, the actual going out and trying to market. We don't have, the, the you know, the, the corporate spend behind us to go and really educate on a, an above-the-line type environment. So for us, it is very much about how you position it to your clients, how you present on a day-to-day basis, how you actually sell it. And, and that's a big learning curve for us right now. Yeah, and find a few reference sites. You know, so, so you have to operate in order to, to implement somewhere. And, and then you, you, you use that as, as your, your reference point to say, you know, this is where we've implemented. It's working. If you'd like to see it, we'll ask them if you can come and have a look. Uh, and, and, and it's being frank. You know, and, and I also think, nice to have, don't cut it. I think it's a have-to-have in business these days, and, and we were actually discussing it last week, that, um, that the, the technologies, again, not necessarily by design, but that we offer, uh, I think uh, offer real benefits in tight times for corporates. You know, so Brucey mentions, you know, at the right price, uh, one volts an efficiency play. Our, our artificial intelligence uh, assessment is an efficiency play. It's a time-saving play. You know, it's a cost-saving play. So, so yeah, yeah. I think I think the key for us is 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 trying to find the right person to speak to. Um, so, I mean, we've had many many meetings, and they've been very exciting, and everyone loves the tech. 
but the decision-making ability is less than zero. The key for us is to is is to figure out what the business value is into into the corporate and effectively sell that to the right person. So it has to add value to this person's life, whether it's at a cost saving level, whether it's at a revenue generation level, whether it's at a at a at a efficiency level, it has to add value to these oaks lives. And that's and that's and that's the key for us is finding the right person to give that message to. I was just going to add to that by saying and not be threatening to them because what we see in the AI space and the recruitment space is our product can be very threatening to some HR managers. You see it more as a threat to their team and their and, and their ability to to have a big team because it does create the efficiencies in terms of headcount, process, time, and long-term savings. Well, it's the, it's the antichrist of employment. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it, the AI is going to cause the irrelevance bomb. You know, and if you think about the future of work, uh, and you know, there's an interesting stats you can make them up on the spot. You know, like I'm going to make it now, but 64% of job titles <laughs> haven't been invented yet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's like a legitimate yeah. thing, which the consensus is, I mean, if you think about CEOs, uh, the thing that actually keeps them up at night is what people do I need in an exponential world. That's the question. And so if you're selling something like AI, it doesn't matter. It's preloaded. It's like disruption. Well, disruption's bad because it's going to make me change what I do and I don't want to change. You know, so and, and I guess it's a very interesting point of departure because when you think about what you guys are offering from a product perspective, because it's all product, um, you've got a challenge with adoption. Because to your point, one, it's about selling it into the business. But two, it's about getting people to actually use the thing. Because yeah, exactly, you know what I mean. Because but the, because there's there's two types of costs. There's the financial cost of this of the service, the product that you guys are offering. But then there's the unquantifiable switching costs. In other words, training, you know, process changing, policy changing, data, you know, da, da da da. And so the list goes on. So it's not actually about just the cost of what you're serv- what you're offering, but it's also about the unquantifiable switching costs. And the challenge with that is that within the first 90 days, I mean, if you take one vault as a subscription-based player, yeah. if you don't get people using that thing significantly in the first 90 days, it's going to threaten the contract that you have in place with that corporate. Well, ask us. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I, I think, I think it, it's also a challenge. We spoke a little bit about the, the South African entrepreneurial environment. You know, and, and, and I think... Where we have been fortunate is we, we have been able to be incredibly agile. In big corporates, when Brucey talks about selling to the right person who makes the decisions, whilst I totally agree, I still think there are about four of them. Because there's, you've got to get governance buy-in, uh, you've got to get procurement buy-in, you've got to get business buy-in, you've got to get tech buy-in. You know? and, and that doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, and I think the business environment... you know. It, Every one of them craps more for the other. Uh, and as much as this, this could be detrimental, you know, procurement is starting to run businesses out there. You, you, know, you can't get through anything unless procurement is actually sitting in the room. So business people are saying to you, listen, I'm actually not going to have a meeting with you until such time as you know, procurement can come and sit with us because otherwise I just have to have another meeting. You know? That's not negative. It's probably right. Uh, but, but the ability to be agile through that process is, uh, is going to be really prohibitive. But just on that procurement point, do you know that globally 74% of agency appointments is made by procurement, not by the marketing or brand managers? I.e. Who, who they choose to deal with. Yeah, the final decision is always made by procurement. 
Always. It's almost like you want to go to procurement first and then come back. Well, exactly. Because <laughs> they want to wag the, well, exactly. the, you know, the stick at marketing and go, listen, you will use this guy you know, or this service. Yeah, listen, and, and I think with, with some of the latest things that are happening globally, uh, it's only going to get worse because I think governance procedures uh, relative to those agents decisions or agency decisions are going to get worse as well. You know? And I think especially in this country with the BE codes getting stronger, procurement plays an even bigger role. Are you guys positive about the entrepreneurial environment of South Africa? Just you ask me. No, no. I, I think it's it's highly prohibitive. Uh, I have to say, um, yeah. At the risk of trying to be as realistic as possible, I think there's some big things that are going to happen in the next three weeks in this country, and I think that's gonna that's gonna play into the hands of what happens uh, going forward. But I think. Your ability to access funding, so talk about government funding, uh, is hell of tough to start something new. Uh, the fact that, I, and I know it's a reality around the world, is you know to to be paying uh, big tax and VAT in startup businesses, it's prohibitive because you you just can't. I mean, a minimum of forty forty five percent of anything in your business is going to to the revenue service, you know. So so to actually become cash generative is a, is a, is is a hell of a tough thing to do. So so in our business, whenever we look at something new, for me, unless it's got a soft landing, i.e., a customer, it's not worth investing in it. Only when we land that first customer do you say, okay, well now let's start the business. Uh, because it's just very difficult to turn the cash around. So it's procurement, it's funding. Uh, it's then the corporates that you deal with, I mean, they have to they have to have an ability to approve somebody who has very little revenues, you know. So so that becomes a risk, a governance and risk issue in big corporates. Is you know we can't deal with somebody who's got no revenues. Where's your stability? So it's not an environment that is conducive to to entrepreneurialism. Uh, and and I hope something will change because I think that that around the world is is where countries have turned around very quickly is where they promote entrepreneurial environments. And I think to add to that, the corporates at the moment are just sitting on cash; they're not making decisions either. So the entrepreneurs are pitching and pitching and not getting the deal, irrespective of how good the, the product is, because corporate South Africa are sitting in that that sort of on that curve of uncertainty right now and not willing to invest at the moment. And uh, and when they do invest, it's a long, slow drawn-out decision-making process, and, and I'm not sure a lot of the entrepreneurial companies can wait that long for a decision to be made and you know pay salaries and have a sustainable business. But what you're touching on, Joel, is such an important point because cash flow, right, is a critical thing. We all love to talk about how tough cash flow is. There's another stat that um, got shared with me recently. It takes, on average, for a startup to be profitable a 1,000 days. So if you're trying to navigate that first thousand days, typically if you're bootstrapping it, it's even longer, right? But if you have cash to burn from an equity partner, you can burn that cash to get scale, right? Hire people, and so your problem, you're, you're basically your, your speed to market is drastically shortened. But more importantly, in your context, you've got a group of companies, right? So maybe there's a question for you, Bruce, but how do you apply sound financial decision making when it comes to cash flow management any advice or tips you want to share there yeah so i mean it's a it's a it's a bit of a sort of tricky one and it's a and it's a balancing act to be to be fair i think our ability to sell um easily has been hampered by 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 the the current 
uh, situation that we're in as a country. So at the end of the day, you plan. If the plan doesn't come to fruition, you have to figure out a way to actually get money into the business. If you have access to capital, then you either put your own capital in, you go to the bank or do whatever you need to do. Uh, but it's not But it's not easy. I mean, we've even had one or two circumstances where we've had to sort of transfer some equity from one business to another because one of the businesses had cash, so therefore it would fund the other business, but it needed value for that. You sort of move the pieces of the puzzle around the table and, 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 and hope that they all fit together eventually. Um, and they do tend to fit together if, you, if, you, if you're not sort of over the top. Running any business is never easy, but one of the unsung benefits of captaining your own ship is that you never stop learning. And in the case of the Pivotal Group, the lessons that they have learned are relevant to any entrepreneur today. I mean, for me, it's not to panic. So, I mean, there have been times when, 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 when it's been tough, when it's been hard, um, when things have been going backwards. Um, and, it's, and it's learning how to take a step back and see it for what it is and think clearly and to ensure that you plan sort of path forward in your own head I think one thing we've got really well we've done really well is we've employed some unbelievable people in our business um, we have found some 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 superstars who are who are ambitious young and will become part of our group into the future it's about just trying to make smart decisions and not panicking along the way and not getting too anxious I think it's also about accepting when you've wrong you know you, you need to also understand when you have a weakness or a failure and, and it's about trying to overcome that as quickly as possible whether it's a you know change in strategy or change in direction or just a change in attitude it's it's about particularly amongst the three of us it's about sitting down having that transparent conversation and finding a route forward that that you know you have faith in and that that you are pretty sure and believe will will help you get over the hurdle that you presently face yeah no i i mean i think what what Bruce and Joel saying covers it for me i mean i think that uh, don't panic is a huge thing. And for me, what mitigates my ability to panic is to have a plan. You know, so, so whenever there's a drama for me, uh, once you have you know, taken it down to its lowest common denominators and understand, you know, so what is it, and discussed how we're going to fix it and put a short-term plan in, okay, so this is how we're going to do it. These are what your responsibilities are. You know, it takes all panic and angst out of it. And then you just make sure you operate according to that plan. And slowly you see it come out of the, the, the situation that it's in. So, so yeah, it, it, it's that planning. It's about recognizing your shortcomings. Uh, and I, I think key is focus, you know, is now saying, right, time to focus, boys. This is what we're going to focus on. And, or this is what we agree each of us are going to focus on and, and going down that road. Why do you guys do what you do? Like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? So when we first started this, this business, we, we, we sat down and we wrote a list of things we wanted to do and what we didn't want to do. And, and it was like a self-motivation as to why we would leave corporate life. And Paul had probably left already. I was in the process of leaving. And then Bruce left shortly afterwards. Um, and, and there were a couple of things that for us were paramount. One is we, we never wanted to leave a fill in another leave form. We wanted to watch our kids play sport in the afternoons. And, and the third thing was we wanted to drink good coffee. But I think the crux of that was, was to Bruce's point earlier, about having our fate and destiny in our own hands, about building something um, long-term and leaving a legacy. Um, and maybe, you know, for us as individuals, you, you know, maybe creating an environment one day where our kids can join us in, in a business. Um, and, and, you know, Paul also said it earlier, he's, he said, you know, you want to 
get out of bed and enjoy coming to work, which means you've got to be doing things that that you enjoy doing, you love doing, you're good at, and you get rewarded for. And and I, and I think for me, it, it's about a combination of all those things. It's about building a legacy. It's about uh, you know like-minded people and sharing a journey. Um, and and it's about on a personal note, it's about succeeding. You know, I'm, I'm not a who likes failure. Hundred percent. And 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 what we the journey we embarked on, I would I would want to see it through. I want to make sure that I don't look back and say overall we failed. We had you know, six failures and two great successes to you know to our discussion earlier. But overall, I want to look back and say it's been an incredible journey. We've built something that's fantastic. We've achieved all our goals, and we've done it as a we've done it together on a on an incredible journey with with people we love and get on with and. If we can tick all those boxes, I think we'll uh, we'll certainly look back w- one day on the journey with great with with great joy and great admiration for each other and ourselves. Key for me, in line with what Joel is saying, is uh, in the corporate world, as good as the corporate world can be, a lot of the time you're doing presentations and forecasting and putting yourself out there for somebody else's benefit in the greater scheme of things. Uh, and whilst that's okay, for me, it was important at a time in full knowledge that I might have to go back in the co- into the corporate at some point in time, uh, that, that we had to give it a go uh, and have faith and back yourself that, that you can make this thing work. And, and uh, I, as I say, I don't plan on retiring. I plan on being, I'm passionate. I mean, a, a hobby is, is businesses and how businesses work. So when I'm way old and even grayer than I already am, I still want to be coming into an office and I still want to be, you know, using whatever skills I have to support and to grow other, other businesses, you know. So very definitely uh, that's, uh, you know, I, I don't want work to be known as work and have that connotation of, oh, shit, I've got to go and work. It's, it's, you know, I'm going to a place where I enjoy being and doing, you know. Sales is the lifeblood of any business, but for many of us, cold calling does not come naturally. Even if you are the world's best cold caller, cold calling day after day, week after week, month after month eventually turns into something of a trudge and it can be quite a lonely experience. So to help entrepreneurs succeed and ultimately 10x their sales, we've actually launched something called the Cold Call Hackathon, and it's getting incredible results in the marketplace. Just last week, we closed 35 deals in 40 minutes. That was almost a deal a minute. And the week before that, we closed eight JSC-listed clients in only 30 minutes. This is the power of collective cold calling. If you'd like more information about the Cold Call Hackathon, we are running it in Johannesburg every Friday morning from 9 until 10. And the results have been insane. Just take a listen to what people are saying. My name is Kat Wolf. I'm a director at Office Space Online. We're a commercial property brokerage. I, if you're in any kind of sales business, I highly recommend a session like this. It's just such an awesome way to get energy going, to get yourself on that high that leads into business, that leads into more business, and just have the support and structure around you. Um, push you outside of your comfort zone and win and get results in the, in the, in the process and have some fun. And um, Matt rocks. Hi, I'm Keanu from Office Space Online. We just finished doing a 40-minute uh, canvassing session with Matt Brown. 
Um, I found it really effective. A lot of people were getting leads. I think it was 35 uh, total. And yeah, I feel like it really just revived the energy in the office. Um, Canvassing is not always something that people enjoy doing and doing it collectively in a group um, really brought a nice energy and got people pumped for it again. So we'll definitely be doing more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joy from Office Space Online. I'm the broker manager here. I just had the most awesome time canvassing on the um, with the hackathon. We it, it was so much fun, so much energy, and I got a whole bunch of leads. You should totally do it. So if you are interested, please drop me a mail at hello at mattbrownmedia.co.za or simply check out our page on Facebook, Matt Brown Media. So until next time. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.